Amen. So the passage this morning, this morning, Second Corinthians chapter five, and we're going to read verses one through five. If you have your Bible, hope you do. Open that. Turn with us to Second Corinthians five, verses one through five. Give you a moment to do that. It says this, the words of Paul, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. This is God's Word. Hey, Cross Point. It's good to see you all. Can't see you, actually. It's okay. You can see me. You could hear the sounds around us, the airplanes, the birds. You could hear the rustling of the wind. These are good sounds. These are sounds of life, sounds of fullness today. And so uh, let's receive those sounds with joy. Forgive those sounds where they might interrupt. We're learning how to do this church online right now. And uh, we're glad that you're with us and we can turn to God's word together. So uh, let me pray as we get started. Lord, I thank you so much that we are your church. Lord, I thank you that our church is not confined to four walls, but our church is your people scattered about in our city. Lord, we want renewal to take place in our lives this morning. We want renewal to take place in our hearts. Lord, we need you now and God, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We know that it's uncertain, but we know that, God, what is certain is what you have told us and that there is victory in you, Jesus. There is comfort in you, Jesus. There is security in you, Jesus. And, Lord, I pray that right now you would help us by the power of your Holy Spirit put all of our hope in you because you are our steadfast hope and faithfulness in every time and moment of our lives. In Jesus' name, we say together, amen. So we're doing this live stream here from uh, a, a cemetery, Greenwood Cemetery, in the middle of downtown Orlando. Don't know if you've ever been here, but it's a beautiful place. And if you've driven by a cemetery on a regular basis, I actually drive by this cemetery almost every day on the way home. My, my house is right across the street from it, off of Hampton. And as you drive by, you probably don't normally think of what it might represent. There's peace here, there's serenity here, but there's also a reminder of our mortality. There's a reminder that life is temporal. There's a reminder that those who are buried here are no longer with us. And it's also a reminder to those who live that one day our lives will be over on this world, in this world. And while we are to live, while God has given us life and breath, he's allowed us to know that his purpose is sure 
and his plan is certain, even in the face of uncertainty and death. In that text that Pastor Josiah just read to you, we read the word swallowed up by life. And as we read those words and see those words, we know that those words are true, that death is swallowed up by life, that that which is temporary is swallowed up by that which is permanent, that that which is mortal is swallowed up by immortality. It's important that we think about uncertainty and death in moments like this because it actually informs the way we live today. Death would be considered humanity's greatest enemy because it's something that we haven't been able to figure out. It's something that we haven't been able to defeat on our own. But as we think about death, we know that the scriptures speak a lot into death, man's greatest uncertainty. We know that God's word gives us hope with an uncertain future. And that if God, through the power of his son, Jesus Christ, and his resurrection can defeat death, he can conquer whatever trial you're in right now. He can give you hope and certainty in whatever uncertainty exists tomorrow. This is something that we're all in. This is something that we're all experiencing. We've never had a collective uncertainty like this in my lifetime around the world, but today we have it. And today we have God's word that gives us Christ's certain promise in the face of uncertainty and death. Let me read verse one here with you. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. For we know something that's sure, something that we could bank all of our hope on. We know that if this tent, this dismantled tent that we're living in right now, that as we age, is slowly deteriorating and dismantling even more. We know that this thing that's temporary, this tent, this body that we live in, is way to something that's permanent. And here's what Paul says is permanent. We have a building from God. When Paul says we have a building from God, he's talking about something that's not of creation. It's not made here, but it's in the heavens. It's something that God has built with his hands. It's not made by human hands. And so while we live under the threat of COVID-19 and the coronavirus, all of our bodies are not immune to this virus. Our loved ones, our families, our futures, our economy, not immune to this virus. But we know that the building from God, the heaven that God has created for us to experience and enjoy his, his presence and pleasure forever, that it is immune to COVID-19, that it does not exist there. And so our hope is firmly in the word of God. Here he has this word for us, that this building from God is made by him. He invites us as we leave these bodies here, this tent that he's made us that's corruptible, to join something, to be a part of something, to give us a renewal, clothing. It's incorruptible, it's eternal. And forever. He says in verse 2, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. 
the greatest solidarities we've experienced in this time is the solidarity of worldwide groaning. Death is on our doorstep. Maybe you're not part of the vulnerable, those who might be susceptible towards death in this virus. Death is still on your doorstep because where others are vulnerable for death, we are as well. We groan because life is precious and life is fleeting. It's the most precious gift that we have here on earth. And so why have all these drastic measures been taken in order to protect those who are most vulnerable? Why don't we see the survival of the fittest spoken of by Darwin in this time and just say, let the vulnerable die because that which is vulnerable and is breathing the breath that God has placed in their lungs is the most precious among us. If life isn't precious to us, then life is worthless and other people's lives matter. So these measures that are that have caused schools to close, gyms to close, have caused the economy to falter. We might be on the brink of something that we've never seen before. We know that life is precious and what matters most must be protected. More than the money in our, po in our pocketbooks, more than the vaults, the, all the gold the vaults can handle. Everyday life, breath, love, mercy. This is what we long for. This is what we seek to protect. This is what we cherish in this. And we're collectively groaning because that's under threat. It's a groaning that we only have here on earth because in heaven there will not be any groaning. But that groaning comes with pain, comes with heartbreak, comes with feeling that the world is out of our control and that we don't know what tomorrow brings. There's a groaning. In the summer of 2016, Orlando felt this groaning when the Pulse shooting took place. 59 or 49 people died. The gunman was killed as well. Get rid of this moss here. <laughs> and that groaning that we experienced together brought a collective unity to our city. Now we're experiencing a groaning that brings a collective unity to our world. You might remember that groaning wasn't easy in 2016 if you lived in this city. Because on the night before the Pulse shooting, a young woman, singer Christina Grimmie, was killed just down the road at the Plaza Theater, just down the road from my house. There was also a little boy, a two-year-old boy, that was killed by an alligator. That's a groaning. And here we know that the cases of death are rising in the United States of America. We know that they're rising around the world. We enter into a worldwide groaning because our longing is not for this world. Our longing is for heaven. You see, that groaning comes because we want what's perfect. We want for death to cease. We want for pain to be no more. We want for those tears to be wiped away from our eyes. There's a groaning that the Christian experiences that is sure and true and that Jesus will bring that about that Jesus will bring an end to our groanings. But right now, those groanings have a purpose. Right now, those groanings have a point. And the point of those groanings is to cause us to long for the perfect world that God has made for us, that house that's built by God, eternal in the heavens. And so as we're in this graveyard reminded of our mortality, 
we have the Bible open, reminded of the immortality that Jesus Christ gives us through his death, burial, and resurrection. You see, I'm preaching this sermon here on a live video, not because I like to hear myself talk or I like to see my picture in the screen, far from it. Because I want to give you the hope of the gospel for the uncertainty that exists for you tomorrow. I want you to make sense of your groanings. I want for you to see your groanings in light of the certainty of what Jesus has done and the promise of heaven. And that Jesus will one day come again, as it says in 1 Peter 5, that chief shepherd will appear. And we, as his loved, beloved sheep, will be gathered together in his arms of care and mercy and grace. That even if death happens to you, life is promised to you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Behind me, there's a, a gravestone. You can't see it. It's actually a large cross. It says, I know that my Redeemer lives. You'd be wise to remember that phrase and say it every day when you face angst and uncertainty for tomorrow. When you read the news stories and you start to wonder what's going to happen with your job or your 401k or your IRA, I know that my Redeemer lives. Because your Redeemer is not your career. Your Redeemer is not your retirement. Your Redeemer is the one who has made a place for you in heaven. That promise has been secured by his death on the cross, has paid for the penalty of your sins, interposed his precious blood for you. And he also, through his resurrection, guarantees it is the declaration that it's final and it's finished. And the sacrificial offering of Christ was accepted by God. So groan with that in mind. Don't groan or grieve as people without hope because we have hope. And our hope is in the sure promises of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verses 3 and 4. If indeed by putting it on we may, be found, we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Paul says, gives us this imagery of putting on immortality like clothing, so that we won't be found naked. Christ gives us that honor. That we have something to be put on, to put on us when we're standing before the judgment of God so that we're not judged by our sin, shame, and guilt. That's what it means to be found naked. But we're clothed by the righteousness of Christ. Put it on. He's given to that to you. Know that. This is why I think it's important that, that those of you who have walked far from God and maybe you're tuned in right now and you haven't been to a church service in forever and now it's right here in your home, on your computer, on your phone. It's not too late to turn and trust in Jesus. It's not too late to find that you don't have to stand naked or bare on the basis of your good works or your bad works or your own filthy rags. But the righteous clothing of Christ has been given to you through his death, burial, and resurrection. He says we are being burdened in this life right now. You're going to feel the burden. 
pray that you carry the burdens of others. Some are going to lose their jobs. Some have already lost their jobs. If you have a job, rejoice in it. Don't hoard what God has given you, but be generous with it. Help those who need it. It's our call to love one another and be the church. Don't neglect that call. Be the church. Carry those burdens. Know that one day those burdens will cease and you won't have to worry about them anymore and that your job is to share that Jesus Christ has carried the ultimate burden, the burden of our sin and shame and guilt and condemnation, that he took the wrath of God and preached the gospel to them of the resurrection life, that what is mortal has been swallowed up by life. And that's the ultimate hope that we live in today, even as I preach in this graveyard. There are some here who have died without Christ, and there is no hope. But there are many here who have died with that hope. And their death has been swallowed up by life. I'm so thankful that that life was given to us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. There's a reality, though, that exists in our lives today is that it's really hard to to want heaven now. Because we like life on this earth. And I don't blame you because I do too. You should. It's a gift. There's an old uh, letter that was received by a pastor from a nine-year-old girl. She She wrote, Dear pastor, I hope to go to heaven someday, but later than sooner. I echo that hope. I want to go to heaven someday, but later than sooner. I want to live life as long as I can. I want to enjoy the world that God has given me. But that desire for me, it comes under the ultimate plan of what God has for my life. Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. And when he says that, he's saying that life is a gift and death is a gift. And when you have life, rejoice in it. And if you receive death, rejoice in it. Even in your dying moments, because you know that death is not the final word. The uncertainty of tomorrow is not the final word. You cannot give up. Job loss is not the final word. Not being able to pay your mortgage payment is not the final word. I don't know what exists for you and me tomorrow. And I know that we're collectively going through it. And I want to invite those who are not a part of this body of Christ to receive love and care and help here. And I want to invite those who are, are, who are a part of this body of Christ to give generously to God's work in our church and outside of our church. Because we want to share the burdens that we have in this world. And we want to... Tr- God meets every one of our needs. Jesus does not just cover the A and the Z, but every letter in the middle. He's not just there to give us life and eternal life, but he sustains our everyday life. And the greatest witness in our time right now is to share that that sustaining power exists in us today. And even in the midst of uncertainty, to show the world that we have a certain hope, a sure foundation that the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ get rid of that airplane that get rid of it okay it's true forgive me there I, I enjoy preaching in the fitnessium by the way um, you might have to 
think about how we're going to do this next week. But we remember, no matter what you're going through, Jesus is going to carry you through it. I want to tell those of you who are struggling with maybe debilitating anxiety that you can cast that upon Christ right now. Those of you that might find yourselves crushed under the weight of depression, you can cast that upon him right now. That burden, you can cast it upon him. Those of you who have faced panic, wondering what tomorrow brings, you find yourself awake at night, would you cast that care upon Jesus? Because no matter what, you have a certain hope in him. He loves you. I deal a lot of with people who are going through crisis in counseling. And one of the things that happens in that crisis counseling moment is they're there because tomorrow seems uncertain for their life. One of the questions I ask them is, has God been faithful to you in the past? And I hear, yes, he has. Do you believe that the resurrection is true? And that he is going to give what he's promised to you in the eternal life of Christ. They say yes. Then what makes you think he's going to leave you alone today? What makes you think he's going to leave you there without any hope or without any help? Church, we are desperate. But we're not despairing. We're desperately dependent upon God. This is why Paul says, quoting Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. You know what Paul's response was? Therefore, I will boast all the more of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to struggle right now. You have permission to do that. But it's not okay to despair. We're desperate, but we're not despairing. We're desperate because we need, to God, we need God to come through or we're through. But we're not despairing because we know that God will come through. And that's the promise that we have in the face of uncertainty and death. I don't know if you've read the headlines in the past week. Let me just read a couple to you that I read. I don't want you to be fearful over these, but you've probably read them as well. Number the first one, police ask public to stop calling 911 over lack of toilet paper. <laughs> one in five Americans expect they'll catch it. Businesses ask the government for a bailout. Airlines want 50 billion in help. Kid Rock's Nashville bar refuses to close, calling mandate the mandate unconstitutional. Stock losses threaten to wipe out all gains. Schools closed at least until April 15th, for crying out loud. And then walking is good for you. That's a good one you should read. Walking is very good for you, especially in this time. If you're like me, you're going to be tempted to be transfixed on the next 
news story that's coming out. Uh, I want to encourage you to fix your eyes upon Christ and to put your attention upon him in this time. Because all of those news stories have the potential to distract you. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be involved. I'm saying don't let those things immerse or consume your heart. But fix your attention on your Savior, Jesus. Focus on his word and prayer. God's given us tools. He's even given us community with one another. While we can't meet in homes, we're meeting online and we're going to share our burdens in prayer requests with one another. Let's fix our eyes on not that which is temporal, but that which is eternal. That's why Paul says in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, we do not lose heart. Though our outer selves are wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. If you fix your eyes on the things that are unseen, or are, that are on the things that are seen, you know what that'll do? It'll steal. It'll steal your affections from God. You won't believe in Him. You'll struggle to trust in him. But if you fix your eyes on that which is eternal, that which is transient, that which Christ has purchased for you on the cross, his word, his hope, those things will lead you to fix your attention and your adoration upon God. And your life in this time will not be useless. It'll be worship. It'll be glory and honor to him. And church, I want that for us that our church would remain steadfast in worship because God deserves every waking moment of our praise and our heart needs his renewal or it will deteriorate. We fix our attention on him and we won't get distracted. And we'll able to read the news stories with clear heads and clear hearts, knowing that the fake news doesn't tell me what exists for my life tomorrow. The truth of God is eternal and already written. Last week, a friend of mine called me and told me that he had been put on furlough. His business was not able to continue. It's happening a lot right now. But something he said really struck me. He said, this is what becomes real. It's true for us, everybody. This is where our faith becomes real. We're experiencing a collective turmoil. This is where our faith becomes real, where we have to lean on one another. We have to put our faith and hope in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.5 5, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Maybe you, like my friend, has experienced some kind of loss, whether it be your job, a loved one, the lot, your livelihood. That loss 
is something that God has prepared us for. By faith. He's prepared us for this time. God knew from the world, uh, beginning of the world, this moment in time would happen. He knew before you took your first breath that you would be living through this pandemic. That you would be living in this unprecedented time. He knew it. He makes no mistakes. And he's prepared you for this. And he's given you his spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads your life. The Holy Spirit is the one whom we trust in to live a life to the glory and honor of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who is the witness and message of Jesus Christ in you, the gospel in your heart and made known through your life and your voice to an unbelieving and lost world. He is your guarantee. He is not just our ticket to heaven, although God does protect those within whom his spirit rests. He is your everything. And the Holy Spirit has prepared you and is living inside of you to serve and to give glory and honor to God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. We must rely on him. We must walk in him. We must live in him. So you might think, how am I going to get through this time? Know this. He's prepared you for it. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53 through 55 says, For this imperishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? I pray that those words are tattooed on your heart. Death is swallowed up in victory. So that you can face the uncertainty of tomorrow. I watched a little clip of a sermon by Billy Graham and it caused me to, to weep because it was so profound. And I'll tell you the words that he spoke there. I won't at all do it justice. But they're words that are poignant for us in this time of uncertainty when we don't know what tomorrow brings. He mentions the book of Habakkuk. And he said, Habakkuk said, Lord, please tell me what you're doing. God said, no, I'm not going to tell you. Habakkuk, because if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. If God today told us what he was doing in the world, we wouldn't believe it. Don't think God's given up and God's abdicated and God's left the throne. He hasn't. He's still on the throne. And those of us who put him who, that know him and put our trust in him and him alone. I don't put my trust in Washington. I don't put my trust in the United Nations. I don't put my trust in myself. I don't put my trust in my money. I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When all the rest of it fails and crumbles and shatters, he'll be there. And he's there right now church, may we put our faith in the seen, 
in the or in the unseen, in the eternal, in the invisible. God has made visible to us through his son, Jesus Christ, in his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we could be together this morning. And that God, while we cannot see one another or experience one another's emotions or feelings or trials or problems right now, you know them all and you're with us. And your Holy Spirit has prepared us for this moment. And as we finish this time of our service today, may we go and be the church. May your spirit help us walk in your light, in your life, in the victory that you've given us in Jesus. That we would know that death is swallowed up by the victory of Christ. That that which is mortal has been swallowed up by life. And we trust that in the face of the uncertainty of, of and we fix our gaze upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.